This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Matt's going to bring the word for us. We are going to spend some time this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, specifically from verse 12 to 18. So if you have a Bible with you, if you have your device on, feel free to follow along. Uh, Otherwise, I think it's going to pop up on the screen behind me as well. Let me read for us. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thank you, Hannah. Well, good morning, church. How are we all doing today? Great. Good to see you here for installment number two of Vision Sunday. You're going to need uh, some of the things that are on your chair this morning. So if you, um, if you get this ready and find a pen, we, we'll be using these a little bit later on. Um, I really wanted this morning to be something that we would uh, not just listen to, but be able to take home and be reminded of throughout the year. And so this is our way of saying the things that we feel the Spirit stirring in us this morning, we don't we'll just leave here in this room. We want to remind ourselves of these throughout the year. So this little response card is your opportunity to put pen to paper and commit to some of the things that you want to see God growing you in this year. But So have a, have a peruse of that. We will come back to that in a few moments' time. I'm looking forward to this. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18. Just like Charles Spurgeon, I'm going to preach on one verse today, and that's it. We're going to camp out in that small verse. So if you have a Bible, open it up. Keep it open at that passage and we're going to dive into it together. Why don't we pray as we come before God in His Word this morning. Father, we thank You that You are a speaking God. We thank You that You are not silent. God, we thank You that You are alive and active in our world and in our lives. And that You have a firm commitment to our growth, to our Christ-likeness, to our formation. God, this morning as we consider the year ahead and the things that We see for this church and in our lives. God, I pray that you would stir in us by your Spirit a firm sense of expectancy that you want to move us from where we are to Christ-likeness, that you want to move us from whatever stage we find ourselves at spiritually to a deeper formation in Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your work as your word is opened up. We pray that you would transform us. And we ask this in Jesus' strong name. And God's people said in one loud voice, amen. 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 Well, as a parent, um, and for the, the parents in the room, perhaps you resonate with this. As a parent, you spend a lot of time worrying about the progress of your children, right? It starts um, quite early. I mean, you start wondering if your child is ticking off all of the developmental milestones that young 
babies and children are supposed to have, right? You, you read up on all of the reflexes that children are supposed to be having and check them and, and you, you, you wonder when, when will they start walking and, and worrying because, you know, their cousin was walking six months before your child is and you spend all of your time worrying about their progress. It gets to school and you're worried about how quickly they're learning to read and why they can't do two plus two in year four and you're comparing them to all the other kids. You analyze their report cards that come back and you spend a lot of time worrying about your children's progress in life. And I, there's a lot of similarities between that process and what a pastor does worrying about the spiritual progress of the people in their church. And as I was thinking about this year and some of the things that I believe God was putting on my heart for our church community, I was spending a lot of time concerned about the progress of our church and some things that I think we need to move on from. Spiritual progress. Perhaps you're worried about your own progress in the faith this year. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you are in your faith journeys. You've walked through these doors this morning. You, might, you may not even identify with being a Christian at all. You, you may be seeking. You may be searching. You may be on a spiritual journey. Perhaps uh, after a, a tough couple of years, you're battling in your faith. There's some, something that COVID did that's unbalanced you that you haven't quite recovered from. Perhaps you're feeling this post-COVID meh. That, that a lot of people are feeling, this languishing that people are experiencing. Perhaps you feel like you've reached a bit of a peak in your spiritual growth. You're like, I don't, I don't really know how to move on from here. I, I'm, I'm at a bit of a plateau in terms of my growth. I'm not backsliding. I'm not going backwards, but I'm just, I'm not really going anywhere. I'm just, I feel like I'm a bit of a, a plateau right now. Perhaps you, as you look back on the last 12 years, you think, 12, 12 years, 12 months, you think, now I, I have come a long way. Like God has been incredibly gracious and I've moved from this place where I was to this place where I find myself today and I'm rejoicing and thanking God for where I am right now. Wherever you're at, I don't know where that is, but wherever you find yourself today, here is my confident expectation as we come to a new year. God wants to move you forward. God does not want you to stand still. God wants to grow us and form us into the likeness image of Jesus. God does not want us languishing and spinning our wheels in spiritual neutral. I don't know how, how many of you learned to drive a car that was manual. I mean, it's pretty rare these days. There's a few of you, right? You learn on a manual car. Most of us learn on automatics, especially in the inner city, right? The smallest automatic car I can buy to survive in a Sydney traffic. But if you learn to drive a car on a manual, you'll know that experience when you're practicing the hill start and you think you're in first, but you go to take your foot off the clutch and accelerate and the, rev, the engine just revs out, right? Because you're not in first. You're spinning in neutral and there is no forward momentum. And I want to suggest this morning that God does not want us there. No matter where you're at on your journey, God doesn't want us to spiritually stagnate, spiritually plateau, be stuck in spiritual neutral. He wants to grow us, to form us, to shape us, to stretch our faith. And I'm confident of that for a couple of reasons. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says that though our outer selves are wasting away, Right, and that's probably true of most of us over the age of, say, 21. It's a, it's a downhill slope from that point. It's all, 
everything starts to sag south after that point, just so you know, right? Our outer selves may be wasting away, but our inner selves are being renewed day by day. I'm confident of that reality because of the power of the Spirit whom God has given us and the trajectory that we are on towards our final consummation of being made ultimately like Jesus. And I want to camp out on that verse that Hannah read for us this morning at the end of that reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And the premise for my message this morning is that we become what we behold. We become what we behold. Now, if, if you've noticed um, anything that's happened in the last year with uh, primary school children, high school, any, any school teachers in the room this morning, the school teachers here, most of the boys came to school in the back end of last year wanting to be one of two people, Ronaldo or Messi, right? Because they spent their mornings eating Cocoa Pops, watching the last tale of whatever World Cup game was on, marveling over the world's best soccer players, and then wanting to be Messi in the playground with like three pirouettes, a turn, a step over, and, uh, you know, and then they fall over and graze their knee on the concrete. But, but most young boys over the last six months longed to be like their favorite soccer star in the World Cup. We become what we behold. That happens all the time. You ask most kids or teenagers what they want to be today. The answer is what? A YouTuber. They want to be YouTubers, right? I want to grow up. I want to be a YouTuber, right? Why? Because they spend all of their time watching YouTubers filming unboxing of toys and all, all, all other crazy things on YouTube. They want to be a YouTuber, make videos for the rest of their lives to make money, right? We become what we behold. Now, that principle just gets more sophisticated the older we get, right? We get really good at masking the reality that we are longing to become something or someone in our lives. There's something that captivates our convictions. There's something that captivates our vision for life. There is someone or some vision that drives us. We become what we behold. We become what we behold. Have a look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing Glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Now, the context behind this, as that, that passage that Hannah read for us reminds us, is that Moses would meet with God face to face, receive the law, come down from the mountain, and his face was glowing with the radiance of the glory of God, and it freaked Israel out. And so Moses would cover his face with a veil. And Paul is saying here that there is this same veil that exists that blinds people's eyes. Every time the law of Moses is read, it is veiled until the Spirit opens our eyes to see the truth of God's Word. And here Paul is saying that all, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus, what was once Moses' privilege is now ours. We can see the glory of God reflected in the face of Christ with un veiled faces. So we all, those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus with unveiled faces, 
contemplate or behold the Lord's glory. That means to cherish, to meditate on, to fix our gaze upon the glory of God, to delight in all of His majesty and His sufficiency and His worth, to worship Him, to contemplate on, to meditate on the glory of the Lord. That's kind of the desire that the psalmist expresses in Psalm 27, verse 4. It says this, Only one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To what? To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. That's the privilege that we have as God's people who have been brought into His presence to be able to gaze upon the beauty and glory of God. And I want to suggest to you this morning, there simply is no becoming without beholding. Remember I said last week that being a Christian is not simply, not merely just believing something. It's actually about becoming someone. Being a Christian is not just a statement of faith that we tick, but it's a way of life. It's a a way of living as apprentices, following Jesus, being made like Him, living like Him, loving like He loved. And there is no becoming without first beholding. We need to set our gaze, our attention, our contemplation on the glory of the Lord. And the result is that we are transformed, that we are changed. That word there, that we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next with increasing Glory, And that word there is the word where we get our English word. It's literally a transliteration of the Greek metamorphosis, right? That we are being physically changed from one thing into another thing. And that word there is used only a couple of times in the New Testament. Paul uses it again in Romans chapter 12, right? That our thinking is transformed, and it has, it's written in the present tense. That means that what Paul means here is this isn't just a moment of change that we move from death to life, that we're blind, but now we see. This is a progression of change. This is a lifestyle of change. This is change that occurs over a long period of time. And perhaps it will be dynamic and significant and radical. And other times it will be imperceptibly small. But there is change that is happening. And it is continuous change. And the goal of that change is that we are transformed into the image of God. Or better, that we are transformed into the image that is seen in Jesus. There's a little throwback here to Genesis chapter 1, right? We are created as God's people in His image. And Paul is saying here that this process of transformation is for us to be transformed ultimately into the people that God originally intended us to be before sin entered this world. We're on a trajectory of transformation. That Paul will say one day, our bodies will be transformed to be made like Christ entirely. This transformation occurs. And it occurs, as it says there, with ever-increasing glory. 
with ever-increasing glory. Some, some translations will say from glory to glory, from one degree or one stage of glory to another degree or another stage of glory, or from initial glory, that is, our eyes are opened to see and savor Jesus for the first time until final glory. We are being transformed. And the agent of this transformation, Paul says, there is the Holy Spirit. You see at the end there, we have been transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So here's my summary of this, of this verse. As we behold or contemplate or set our gaze on Jesus, on the glory of God, we are progressively and radically being changed into His likeness by the Holy Spirit into our truest version of humanity that is the likeness of Jesus. The Spirit of God transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. And so as followers of Jesus, as Christians, your expectation ought to be that I am in an ongoing process of moral, spiritual, practical transformation to be made more and more and more and more like Jesus. And just so you know, that never ends, right? This side of glory, there is an infinite capacity for us to be changed into the glory of God. An infinite capacity. There aren't many things where you can go on growing and growing and growing without a limit, right? At some point, if you jack yourself up so much, your muscles will begin to cause problems with your tendons and ligaments in your body. There is a capacity at which your body can continue to hypertrophy muscle, right? But there is no capacity this side of glory that we will tap out and say, I have plateaued at the peak of my maturity in Christ. You know, for many of us, I think what we tend to do is just look around at whatever church community that we find ourselves in and figure out what kind of like the baseline of spiritual maturity is in that church. Like not like, like the, the super Christians in any, I, I say that in inverted commas, right? Sarcastically, super Christians, because there aren't any. But perhaps that's what you may perceive. There are people in this community who are like, I will never be that holy. I'll never be that, I'll never be that good of a Christian as that person. So we just find like this, this general baseline of holiness. We think, all right, I'm just going to get to that level and camp out there. Whereas the scriptures don't call us to do that. I remember Peter says, be holy because I am holy. Quoting from Isaiah, be holy because I am holy. Be holy like God is holy. That is our standard. And we are on the journey there. We will never quite reach there, this side of glory, but that is where we are heading to Christ-likeness, to being formed. And this process happens, this transformation happens. Not only, but this is the foundation of what our transformation is as we behold and contemplate and meditate on the glory of God as we see it in the face of Jesus Christ. We become what we behold. We become what we behold. And if we want to walk into 2023 with a sense of, I'm growing in my faith, of being stretched in my faith, I'm, I feel like I'm falling in love with Jesus again. If we want any sense of forward momentum in our spiritual walk this year, it has to begin here. 
What we need is not a new diet plan, not to walk more, not to spend less time at work, not to find ourselves some five-step program that's going to move us from here. What we all need this year is Jesus. That's what we need. More than anything else, more than community, more than a great worship service, more than a potential life partner to walk into your life, more than anything else that we need this year, we need Jesus. And we need to see Jesus with fresh eyes. We need to gaze upon His beauty and His relevance and His glory. That's what we need. And that, from that foundation, from that fuel, the Holy Spirit will begin to transform and change. Now that doesn't happen automatically. It's not an automatic process, right? It's not let go and let God. You will not find that verse in the Bible anywhere because it's not a verse. God still calls us to participate in our own transformation and change. Remember what Paul says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling as the Lord works in you, right? So we cooperate with the Spirit of God in our lives. We we become what we behold. Now, a quick word to those of you here this morning who fall in the impatient camp. Uh, This change doesn't always happen quickly. It doesn't always happen overnight. We're being changed from one degree of glory to the next with increasing glory. And there's a trajectory to that. But sometimes it's like two steps forward and one step back. And sometimes the change is so small and insignificant that, that we don't even really notice it. But change is happening. And so to those of you who really all of us belong in the microwave generation where we want change instantly and like three seconds after we desired that thing. Like in the generation where we can literally order something online and three hours later it will be at our doorstep. We want things now. This is a reminder that God is patient and that He is committed to our formation and it is often a slow process. And to those of you who are perfectionists in the room, who want change and don't, are not satisfied with like 99.99%, you want 100%. Right? Just so you know, we will never arrive at perfection this side of the new creation. Right? That is a future promise for us. But for some of you, that reality cripples you because perfectionism kills progress. Perfectionism kills any sense of progress. You see, we live in what theologians call between the inauguration and consummation of the kingdom of God. We live between the time when Jesus came and walked the face of this planet and was ascended to the Father's right hand and the time when He will come back. We live in what the Bible calls the last days. And in that time, we can expect change and transformation, but we will not arrive at perfection. We will not arrive at perfection. And so for those of you who are hoping for a perfect walk with Jesus, you'll never get there. We will not get there. But don't let that reality cripple any sense of progress. The perfectionists want everything or nothing. That's not the case. God is slowly chipping away at the rough edges in our lives. And one day we will be made like Jesus fully, entirely but not yet. And for the pessimists in the room who think, I'll never get anywhere. I'm just twiddling my thumbs until Jesus comes back. 
don't forget that this is the power of the Spirit who enables this transformation to occur in our lives. This is not entirely of your own effort and your own striving and your own grit, although those things are important. This is the power of the Spirit given to us, poured out in our lives to do the things in our life that we could not do by the flesh. So wherever you're at, impatient, perfectionistic or pessimistic, let's not those, let those things ruin the progress that God wants to do in our lives. So as we think about God's firm commitment to our growth, as I've been thinking about the things that I think this church needs to move from and to this year, there's a couple of things that I've been praying through, a couple of things that I believe the Spirit's been leaning in on and pressing in on for our church community this year. And I, I want to draw your attention to some of these on the back of the card. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to think about the things that the Spirit is prompting you about personally. What are the things that God wants to move you from and to this year by the power of the Spirit? But here are a couple of things that I think I want us to focus on as a church this year. And let, let me just give a couple of caveats here. These shifts exist on a continuum. Right? You may not exist at the poles of these shifts. Right? You, you think, apathetic. I'm not apathetic. I love God. I love serving. But perhaps you're further on this, uh, you know, up this end of the spectrum. Or you think, no, I'm actually zealous and I would like more this year. Right? So these shifts exist on a continuum and you may not be at the poles of these continuums. Right? But God wants to move us further along. The second thing I want to say about this is this is a desire for direction and not arriving at a destination, right? We're not up for like ultimate perfection on any of these things. But here are a couple of shifts that I think we need to make as a church. And the first shift is the shift from passive to participant. A shift from passive to participant, my desire for our church this year, and just so you know, we did a little survey last year and 40% of this church community is new in the last 12 to 14 months. 40%, almost half of this church is new. So if you are like, I feel really new, I feel like I don't know anyone, so do half the people in the room, all right? Just so you know. But one of the things that I would love to see happen here is to move people from the fringes of this community to the center of this community to move from the fringes to the center. And one of the ways we do that is by moving from being a passive spectator to a contributing member of this church. I think one of the dynamics that we have here at this church is that many people move to Sydney as a temporary thing. You're here for university for a few years. You're here for a gap year. You're here for work. You're traveling for you know, three, six months, whatever it is. You're in Sydney for a season and it's temporary. And so Anchor becomes a temporary home for you. And, and we want it like better to be in a church community here in your time than not in church community, right? But, but that sense of transience, temporary attitude, that can begin to shift the way that we engage with church community. We think, well, I don't get too close to people because I'm just gonna have to say goodbye in in a year's time or whenever my time is up. And we become passive receivers. We live in a hyper-individualistic, consumeristic world. And those things can bleed into and infect the way that we 
think about church. I come to church for me and I sit and I consume. And the church is a dispensary of spiritual commodities, spiritual goods and services that I pay my tax for and then I, I leave. And I wanna say to you that that is such a shriveled vision of what church community should be and could be. And I think for some, we need to move from being passive individualistic consumers from being passive to stepping into this community, being vulnerable with people, opening yourself up to friendships, to meeting new people, being a contributor to what's happening here, not just a receiver. We need to shift from being passive to being a participant. The image that Paul gives of the body in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, of the church, sorry, is that of a body. And a body is made up of many different parts, the eye, the ear, the mouth, the hand, the foot, the leg the gluteus maximus, minimus, and medius. They're all a part of it, right? And they're all essential and needed. And God has given every single one of us a gift, a unique gift and a part to play. And my encouragement to our church this year is to move from being passive consumers to participants and contributors. The second thing, the second shift, and I addressed this last week, the second shift I think we need to make is from being, being absent to present from being absent to present. You know, I think this is one of the, the hangovers that are lingering post-COVID is that, you know, church attendance, but back in the day, like I used to go to church twice on a Sunday and no one paid me to go, right? You would expect that of a pastor because, you know, pastors are paid to go to church on a Sunday, however many services the church has. I went twice on a Sunday for the morning sermon and the evening sermon and they were different, right? And, and now at some point, committed church attendance is like once a month. And we simply cannot build holistic disciples of Jesus with a casual commitment to gathered worship. That beautiful quote that I read last week from Eugene Peterson, there is something formational about gathering together as God's people, sitting under the Word, celebrating the sacraments together. And I, I know a lot of you are missing Lord's Supper. It's back next week. It's coming. But I want us to move from being absent to present. The third shift I want us to make is from being stagnant to growing. And that might sound like, well, hey, I'm not particularly stagnant. Um, I'm, I'm growing. That's okay. From growing to growing is a good shift, right? From one level of growth to more growth in your life. But I, as a church, this ought to always be at the very center of who we are, that we want people to deepen their love for Jesus to go deeper in their apprenticeship of Him, to have Christ-likeness formed in their life in a new compounding way in the new year, to move from stagnant to growing, from move from holding back to generous is the fourth shift. And I spoke at length about that last week. I don't wanna labor it. I wanna encourage you to take home those 2023 budget brochures that are there and prayerfully consider what your contribution is this year. 50% of our church were not giving in the back quarter of last year. And I would love every single person who is here and calls this church family to play a part financially in the new year. So take that home, prayerfully consider what your part is to move from, from holding back to generous. And the final shift is to move from self-sufficient to dependent. Really, that's just saying, hey, last year we focused on prayer. It was a year of prayer. The one thing that we felt that God could not rob us, no matter what the year looked like, we could be a prayerful people. And we wanna keep that going to be a people who would be moving from those who would be doing things on our strength to a people who would be doing things on God's strength. And as we say here at Anchor, we believe that the church moves forward on its knees. 
you know, there's a couple of times where we hosted prayer meetings and I realize not everyone can make a prayer, prayer meeting right midweek. We hosted a prayer meeting and like three people turn up. I was like, man, this is the year of prayer for us. The year of prayer. And it's just like me, Jenny, maybe a handful of other people from the prayer team and the staff who, you know, again, they're all paid to be there. I make them, I make them come, right? And I just, I just think that cannot be the best that this church has to have a handful of people from the prayer team and the staff that are at the prayer meeting. I want us to be a church that would move forward on its knees, believing that God wants to do a profound and powerful work in our city and that He is at work. He has people in the city who are His by name and He is calling to Himself and He chooses to use the prayers of His people to achieve His purposes. This church needs to shift from being self-sufficient to dependent. And I wonder what your shifts are. I wonder as you reflect on the year ahead, if, if you've had time to go through your goals and like Hannah did earlier this year, write them all down in a journal and put all the milestones in there. Or, or perhaps it's just something stirring in you intuitively. You, think, you know what, I, here, here are some shifts that I wanna make this year. I'm here and by the end of this year, by God's grace and the power of the Spirit, I wanna be here. What, what is God's Spirit convicting you of? What shifts do you need to make? Maybe you need to make a shift from being filled with envy to a sense of contentment. Maybe it's a shift from hurting to being someone who is helping. Maybe it's a shift from being completely meh about your faith to being on fire for Jesus. Maybe it's a shift from lust to purity. Maybe it's a shift from greed to generosity, a shift from self-pity to self-worth in Jesus. It's a shift from being stuck in sin to walking in holiness. It's a shift from being slanderous to using your tongue to build others up in encouragement. A shift from deconstructing your faith to reconstructing again. A shift from anxiety to peace. A shift from hopelessness to hopeful. What, what is the shift in your life that God wants to move you from where you're at to where He wants you to be? A shift from complacency to holy ambition. A shift from pessimism that God can't to a deep sense of expectancy that God can. A shift from mediocrity to pursuing excellence. A shift from thanklessness to gratitude. A shift from selfish ambition to self-sacrifice. A shift from apathy to love. A shift from pride to humility. What is it for you? What are, what are the shifts that God wants you to make this year? I want to give you a moment to just prayerfully sit in silence, to think about the things that the Spirit is prompting you with. And if, if you have those things on your heart, just write them down. Right? You're, not, you're not handing this in. This is for you to keep. Take it home. Put it in your Bible. Keep it with you. Put it somewhere noticeable to remind you this year of the things that God convicted you of today. We want to be the type of people like James chapter 2 who do not look at our face in the mirror and then walk away and completely forget what we look like. We want to be the type of people who would hear the Word of God and put it into practice. And one of the ways of being intentional about that is to say, I'm taking this with me into this year. The thing that God has convicted me of today or this week, I'm taking it with me into this year. I'm going to give you a moment to just prayerfully consider. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need time. That's fine. Take it home with you. But let's have a few moments of reflection and using the pen that are on the seats beside you. Just where does God want to move you this year? From what to what? What is the Spirit doing in your life? Let's take a few moments to ponder that as we respond as the band comes up to prepare for our time of response together.